0: A big part of me wishes I were working for the Conservative Party and Boris Johnson last year, so I could have secretly recorded every single one of their god-awful parties, which look like, frankly, the fucking end of the world. From all the angles, oh, I've got to get coverage here, a wide shot, so I could put out a feature film that I then invited people to free screenings of, on my own money. <laughs> so that, and I would make every single person of the British public watch it. I would watch them watching it. <laughs> and then I would say, if you vote for them again, you deserve them. But I don't, and all my friends don't. So if you vote for them again, we. I am going to put through a I bi- am going to take over Patel's job because I work for the Conservative Party, and I'm going to bring through a bill saying anyone who votes for the Conservative Party is not allowed to vote again.
3: Oh, Deborah, I'm really going to lower the tone here. <laughs> that was kind of beautiful, and hopefully this too will be. Mm-hmm. I'm a feminist, but. I genuinely think it's unladylike to eat ass. Think of, think of the most ladylike lady you can imagine. She's not eating, there's no, it's like popcorn. There's no civil way you can eat it. You can't eat. I feel those are apples and oranges. (laughs) Popcorn and ass. You cannot compare popcorn to ass. You have well, if you if you eat if you eat popcorn very gingerly, like you pick it up and you like put it between your hmm. pop it like, the way no one's ever eaten popcorn. Yeah, rather sort than of just like, like a little canopy. Yeah, but you just Dropping in handfuls. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, yeah, But uh, how do you eat ass? <laughs> um, anyone in from
0: DeBrett's uh, <laughs> etiquette etiquette guide who could give us a little uh, the modern guide to eating ass for sophisticated young Sloan Rangers. Um, anyone got any ideas on how to elegantly... I mean, you obviously don't use a
3: knife and fork, but... <laughs> I think it's just like you don't... Uh, just the ch- the chin. Mm. The chin in the... Gro- so the chin... Okay, well, let's, ima- let's imagine that it's someone with a vulva. So your chin's on the vulva.
0: Yeah. Oh, hold I'm on. Your to- chin's on the vulva. Hold wait, on. sorry. Which way are they? <laughs>
3: but it depends where they are. Are yeah. they... Well, yeah, no, yeah, okay, no, yeah, all right. they're, they're lying on their they're, they're on their stomach like why, a seal. Why?
0: What if they were, What if they took the inelegant position of being on their hands and knees, and then that put you in the elegant position of you could have a napkin.
3: <laughs> they made themselves into a human table. Oh, a human table. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. I'm familiar. Um, <laughs> but then you're sort of. But then wouldn't you need to be on hands? and Oh, wait. Well, you could, could put your legs under the table. Oh, you put your legs under the table. No, it's like, it's sort of like it's like a table. It's more knees. like a toboggan. Oh, that's good. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So, like, you sort of in oh, have a bobsled Is a Japanese
0: restaurant where you sit on your knees? You, you know, you sit down yeah. on the floor on your knees. You could sit like that.
3: Yeah. Very ladylike.
0: <laughs> that would be quite. La- that, would be lady- quite nice. that would be a lady. That would be okay. That would be the most ladylike way of doing it, in my opinion. Yeah. I'm not saying it's full ladylike, <laughs> um, but I think it's hmm. an endeavor that frankly okay I think I, it's I'm only worried about being ladylike when there's an audience honestly in a restaurant <laughs> I would worry about how I eat a chocolate sundae yes to be honest I probably wouldn't order one it's a private pleasure for me but <laughs> it's true though I don't I don't really enjoy cake in front of strangers um, so but I really love it at home so I would eat I ate my birthday cake in the bath um, two nights ago two nights ago I ate my oh, birthday cake bath. It's your birthday bath. two nights ago yeah, yeah. Birthday. Um, thank you thank you um <laughs> Uh,
3: but if you're eating a chocolate sundae in private,
0: yeah, I might. I don't worry about being ladylike, and honestly, I can't imagine a situation where I would be eating ass
3: mm-hmm. in public. <laughs> <laughs> I c- yeah, okay. I I think that's where our our <laughs> Sex lives, lives diverge. <laughs> um, <laughs> I- E- yes, I, I, I just, I have, re- i recently been at a sex party. <gasps> okay, the whole sorry. show is now about the whole that. Show is now about this. Um, tell but, me more. Tell me more. Like, did it have a car? I <laughs> no car, and I didn't, I didn't get close to eating ass. But if I did, I just didn't want to. I don't want to. I didn't want to pig out in front of people. No, I see that. I feel like ass maybe could be like a, a finger, finger. Oh, stop oh! it! Oh, no! Sorry, sorry. Okay.
0: We found the boundary. We found butt. the line. I wasn't sure. I thought, oh, there's no line here. There's no line. And then suddenly, Sophie just went, Wah, and, we're, and the whole audience, went, Ah, oh, the line. Uh, um, sorry. Um, no, that's fine. Uh, okay, we'll do more we'll stuff we'll, feminist we'll, butts. But I, I feel we are. We have a moral obligation to come back to the sex party. <laughs>
3: um, we'll all go. Uh,
0: I'm a feminist butt. Mine's going to seem very tame now. Um, I'm a feminist butt. I know Churchill didn't share my values. Uh, He didn't want women to have the vote. In fact, he actually, when women under 30 were going to get the vote to make it on par with men, he put forward a motion to say, we'd be better off taking away the vote from men under 30 than giving it to women under 30. He he wanted to take away the vote from men before he gave it to women. Um, He also was, obviously, we know, a massive racist on many levels. However, (laughs) let's go. (laughs) In the prose column for Churchill, I don't think that at any point during the Blitz he wrote and read out a pub quiz. (laughs) That's what I'm just going to say. I don't think he took the time to go. In the year 1978, uh, did... Uh, did uh, I don't know why he's got that voice. It's <laughs> just like a pub quiz. With, uh, no, no, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. But in the year 1978, what remarkable goal did Tottenham Hotspurs uh, score? Because <laughs> uh, it was the Blitz. Do you know what I mean? So there were things going on. So I imagine that Churchill at no point, at no point, sat down and devised a quiz. And re- Do you see what I mean by this? Like, what is the... How can the bar be any lower? I would be angry about that in a non-COVID year. I don't want the Prime Minister doing a quiz. I don't want the Prime Minister participating in a quiz, but I especially do not want him to be quiz master. I don't want to see him on Pointless. I don't want to hear that he's played a game of Scrabble. At Christmas, with his own children, I want him working for us all of the time. If a woman is in office... She can have Boxing Day off. <laughs> go on, do a sex party one. No, no, I should have uh, made it Churchill at a sex party. Churchill at a
3: sex party. Is this a not sex party?
0: <laughs> Sorry, that's my line. I found my line. They didn't want to hear about Churchill
3: at a sex. Party. I really want to do another two finger mine, but I think it might be painful. No, go on. Go on, go on. We want it. Well, yeah. um, I'm a feminist, but on Instagram, you all know the IG. I'm a feminist, but on Instagram, I use wacky filters instead of pretty filters. Like, you know, the wacky filters that make you into a clown or like a bee. And I like, do that because I want people to think that I'm like cool and fun and body Don't positive. Don't take yourself too seriously. Don't take myself too seriously. But the reason I use the wacky filters most of the time is because I genuinely think I look more fuckable as a warthog <gasps> than with my unfiltered face. Oh! <laughs>
0: So not true. Oh, that so wasn't meant cheaper. to be a sad one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
3: you haven't seen me as a warthog.
0: I, I feel you're more. I can understand. Not, you're not. But I can understand someone thinking they're more fuckable as a bunny.
3: Oh yeah. I'm not saying
0: I think. Oh. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I would be more fuckable as a bunny. Obviously, that is clear. Um, and I don't use that filter because I don't want the internet to break. But um, <laughs> but a warthog. So you is know, a, it, it's you know, it's got the tusks. It's
3: a it I a mean, I,
0: I mean, I suspect it would be excellent at eating ass.
3: <laughs> of yeah, all well, the creatures in the animal kingdom. I think it's. I think its long snout would stop it getting purchase on the ass. <laughs> but I think, <laughs> I think it could sort of. Oh, I think the line. I think that might be over the line. I mean, it might be over line territory. <laughs> I was gonna say, if this is bad, will you please not put it on the podcast? Is that I'm a feminist, but please don't put the things I say on the podcast <laughs> yeah. in case people don't like me. Even though they're powerful. Oh no, I don't. Think I think they'll. Oh no, they won't like me. But Girlfriend. who would like Sophie Duker to go for it? I just think because warthogs have tusks, so while they might not be very good at eating ass, their snouts might be quite good for sitting on. Thank you. Thank you for applauding that. (laughs) The 16 perverts in here. (laughs) Um,
0: I'm a feminist, but last night I went to the Cabaret Gala in the West End, which is wonderful, this incredible musical, and I absolutely loved it. But at the end of the night, some of the photographers, you know the photographers that go to those things and stand outside and take pictures of people, um, and then they try and sell them to the press, like they try and sell them to the Daily Mail sidebar of shame and stuff. And I was wonder, I was think... I actually said to a man last night, this is a real I'm a feminist bar. I said to a man, how much are you getting for me, really? How much is the Daily Mail really going to give you for a picture of me when Tom Hiddleston is here? That's all I'm asking you. Like, thank you. It's very flattering of you to ask. But at the same time, you could do better for yourself. <laughs> and uh, one of the guys sent me a bunch of pictures to my Instagram DM afterwards, just said, oh, I just thought you might like these. And I immediately said to my friend, oh my God, I look like a squirrel blowing up a balloon. Because my face, yeah. At the beginning of the night, the pictures of me were really nice. It was the end of the night. It was all a bit sweaty. It was all a bit, you know, a few drinks in. And I'd, I'd made a rookie error of pulling my hair back off my face. And then, honestly, I looked like a squirrel blowing up a balloon. Like, oh, Yeah, my face was like, I don't oh. know what had happened to it. But I... Looked at those pictures and said, I cannot post any of those, but thank you so much for sending them to me. And I said to the man, I must never wear my hair like that again. And the man was like, oh, I think you look really nice. And I was like, well, you know
3: nothing. <laughs> you Why probably... would you send me these? I think, firstly, a man sent you multiple photographs over Instagram DMs that weren't of his penis. <laughs> Bless, oh, <weird>. him. <laughs> Bless him. Bless him. Doing, doing the Lord's work. Secondly, he thought, he, I think you probably, squirrel's adorable. Yeah. I don't, know, I don't know where the balloon comes into it. Did you have an, a large inflatable in front of your face, or was it just the, a mime a squirrel miming, blowing a balloon? Um,
0: it's, it just, I just hated my face. I like my face normally. I didn't like my face in these photos. Don't go, oh, like you, don't, like you like all photos of you. You don't. You hate half the photos of you. You probably hate three quarters of them. And if you don't, what's wrong with you? Sophie, have you got another one?
3: Yeah. (sighs) I'm a feminist, but I don't respect my own genitals. I'll explain. I've no doubt. I don't respect my own genitals because I skimp on the uh, essentials. I buy... So, like, there are two types of hair removal cream. Sensitive and regular. Regular. And I think sensitive exists so that you can slather it on your punani and regular exists for everywhere else. I, instead of buying sensitive... Don't judge me. Only God can judge me. Instead of buying sensitive hair removal cream and regular hair removal cream because my... Um, bajingo. Bajingo is much smaller than the rest of my body, which is also covered with hair. I just buy regular strength hair removal cream. Put it on my pussy and whisper to my vulva, I believe in you.
4: <laughs>
0: Live from the Sound Maker Playhouse at the Globe in London, the spontaneous shop presents the Guilty Fabulous with me, Deborah Francis White, guest host Sophie Duke and our very special guest, Happy Lett, talking about women and power. <laughs> The guilty feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st-century feminists and our hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. I'm Deborah Francis White. With me is Sophie Juca, and we are talking about women and power as part of the Globe's Women and Power Festival. Yeah. So, Sophie Duka,
3: yeah, women and power. <laughs> How?
0: How are you feeling about those subjects oh, ooh. at the end of 2021?
3: The end of 2021. Right now, in this right. moment, you've got a power outfit. I'll,
0: I'll admit those sleeves are powerful and
3: Elizabethan. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that was the intention, not to come cosplaying as a quality street. Um, <laughs> 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 I'm the pink one. Um, yeah, I feel at the end of 20, 2021... Mm. That language has sort of dissolved, yeah. uh, institutions I have no faith in, and I don't really know what lies ahead. So, thinking about women, it's hard to feel powerful when you don't even know which platform you're trying to climb to the top of or if it will be there in a few months. Do you know, that is my latest constant question. What does progress
0: look like for women at this point of late stage capitalism? I don't know what I want anymore. I'm like, well, I don't want to be at top of that ship. Oh, that's corrupt. Oh no. Oh, well, what's that about? Well, that's ruining the climate. And I'm like, but I just want to stay home and take <laughs> no center stage. Like maybe it's better to take center stage in a space that's got some power, even like though it's... An
3: apocalyptic crumbling.
0: Yeah, it just feels like I'm trying to take. It just feels like okay. This is what it feels like. I'm on the Titanic. <laughs> yeah. I'm a woman who's never been allowed to captain a ship. We've hit the iceberg. There's no going back. There's no way of saving it. It's all the men's fault. And at the last minute, I'm going to go, I'll be the last captain on this ship. It'll be my name that says it goes down. <laughs> and women will be blamed at the last minute for the sinking of the Titanic when they had nothing to do with any of the
3: decisions leading up. So in some ways, I'm, gonna, I'm like, guys, is this your mess. Yeah, let them have it. I think you need to be short-term. I think that's what I'm doing now. I'm living second to second. (laughs) I keep forgetting where I am. I'm inside a haunted music box. I just like, when I eat things now, I'm like, this might be the last time because the Brexit lorries won't be bringing them in. Like, if I I had a pair and I was like, this might be the last pair. I knew it wasn't because I Mm -hmm. bought three pairs. (laughs) Well, that's what someone said to me about Brexit the other day. They said, oh,
0: will it, you know, if life gives you lemons. And I was like, as if we're going to be able to get citrus fruit. In <laughs> so it's like, lol, if Brexit gives you lemons, when's that going to happen? <laughs> Would you like to hear Sophie Dukin do some stand-up comedy? Yeah. Oh.
3: Can I stand up? Yes, please. Hello, everybody! Oh my god, okay, I'm so excited to be here. I am wearing a dress that is both too big and too small for me. I'm very excited. Um, If those of you who don't know who I am, uh, Deborah said my name multiple times, but my name is Sophie. I am an openly black comedian. Uh, And it is so nice to be here at this Omicron Mixer. Lovely. Give me a cheer if you are double jabbed. Nice, triple jabbed, anti-jabs, great if anyone had cheered I would have had them removed by security, oh so many triple jabs in tonight, people who've had their booster, booster the power of three pricks coursing through your veins, amazing, the reason I ask about uh, jabs at the start is I feel like you can really gauge the vibe of an audience depending on which vaccine people got. And I'm getting a real strong AstraZeneca energy from this side of the room. Am I right here? How many people got AstraZeneca? Woo! Lovely! I love AstraZeneca because if you got AstraZeneca, that means that you are either old or not picky. <laughs> You'd rather a clot than a cough. Anyone get Pfizer? Oh, yeah, all the millennials got Pfizer. And I don't know if you noticed, I don't know when you got it, but everyone who got Pfizer was so, so proud of getting (laughs) Pfizer. With their statuses and their selfies, they were like, I just got my Pfizer shot. (laughs) I really hung back myself when deciding whether or not to get the vaccine. Um, I didn't want to be one of the first because it looks desperate, no offence. But I didn't want to leave it too long because if you do, you worry you might be dead before it happens. When it finally came, I got vaccinated really close to here in London Bridge and I was so pumped when my V-Day came. I cycled to the vaccination station. I took up three seats so I could propel myself into the booth. I wore a skirt just in case they wanted to put it in my butt. (laughs) The vaccination assistant called my name. I read his name tag. His name was Tim, which was an anti-climax. We had a bit of pre-prick chat, a bit of foreplay. I found out that before the panicotta, Tim worked in theatre, and now he's desperately unhappy. (laughs) And after Tim had reassured me that I could and should leave my clothes on for the procedure, he said, "Okay, today we're going to give you your first dose of Madonna. (laughs) And I said, what? out loud. And in my head, the fuck? <laughs> and he said, Moderna. And I said, no. And he said, what? And I said, Pfizer. And he said, no, it's Moderna. I said, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to die. And I know what I sounded like. I basically was so scared of getting the Moderna vaccine. And I know, like, be like can I get Pfizer? I know I sounded like a Karen asking to see the white doctor. But I knew in my heart that I didn't want that vinegar of a vaccine. I didn't know Moderna. As far as I knew, Moderna was some 80s pop star that might want to adopt me. <laughs> so in the end, um, I got my Moderna vaccine. It was either that or fight Tim. And as I was leaving, to add insult to injury, as I was leaving, he was like, well, oh, cheer up, it's not so bad. You know, the Moderna vaccine it was funded by... Dolly Parton as if that would make things better <laughs> no shade to Dolly Parton there are only Dolly stands in the room I will always love her but telling me that a country music star funded my vaccine did not help my anxiety <laughs> I mean, like, I, I love Dolly. I think she's great, but I just don't believe she put the requisite amount of pressure on the scientists. I mean, I remember, like, the whole global medical community was racing around the clock night and day to find a cure, and she probably only had her people working regular eight-hour shifts. I want to talk about something that I've never spoken about before tonight. Um, I want to talk about something that uh, is very close to my heart. I want to talk about my relationships.
1: Ooh,
3: yes, I know, thank you. And I don't often talk about my relationships on stage. I don't talk about them at all. I don't talk about who I'm seeing. I don't talk about who I'm shagging. I don't talk about which Strictly judges I wank off to. (laughs) All of them, except for Anton. So, I was once told something by a television producer, which was that uh, audiences don't enjoy female stand-ups who are sexy or political. <laughs> I know! Sexy <laughs> or political! No, what? they don't like females who are sexy or political, which sucks for me because all of my best anecdotes are about topping Rishi Sunak. <laughs> Eat out to help out. <laughs> More like neg me than peg me. Um, but I don't actually talk about my relationships on stage because it is a betrayal of trust, obviously. I don't talk about the men in my life because it's a betrayal of trust. If I was to tell you that the Chancellor of Exchequer doesn't bring cash to strip lugs as he feels like the Queen is watching, that would be a betrayal of trust. But I had a breakup a year and a month ago. One year, one month ago to today. And I know it is sad in a way. <laughs> but it's also a great day because it's over a year and that means that the statute of limitations (laughs) has run out on whether or not I can talk about him on stage. So, little bit about my relationship before I go. I was in an interracial relationship. Whoop! Thank you, some whoops from people who have watched porn. It wasn't... (laughs) It wasn't a porn interracial relationship. People always think because of porn that interracial just means a white person and a person who is paid less. But no, um... (laughs) I was the black person in my relationship. My, uh, my boyfriend was of Arab heritage. Um, he was Arab, Arab heritage, I say, because he was white passing. And um, white passing, if you're not familiar with the term, is a term for someone who has privilege but wants funding. <laughs> My boyfriend and I are really close, like very, very close. Not like, you know, suck his dick close, but you know, like stroke his hair, play with his balls close. And I've wondered a lot during the pandemic about how close is too close. And I think whatever too close is, we are it. Because I use the period tracker app clue. Thank you. Some fans in. I use the period tracker clap. (laughs) I use the clap Tracker Period Clue. <laughs> I use the Period Tracker. I use the Period Tracker app Clue. Uh, some of you will be familiar with it. Those of you who are familiar with it will know that there is an option to share your calendar with a spouse or partner, <laughs> which that means that my ex-boyfriend still has <laughs> direct access <laughs> to my cycle. <laughs> Which is a much more intense version of not changing your Netflix (laughs) password. Thank you so much. I've been Sophie Chuka. Goodbye! Please welcome to the mic Deborah Francis White! So, you know how men refuse
0: to deconstruct text messages? Right, They just won't participate in that. When you show a man a text message, you go, what do you think that means? He reads the words at you. (laughs) That's not what it means. That's what it says. That's what it means. They won't play that game. Slash, can't play that game. And they act like they don't want to play it because they can't play it. Because they're competitive cunts. Now... (laughs) I'm talking about cis cishet guys here, but even some of the gay ones aren't great at it. I'll be honest. Um, they're not, though. They're not. Like, some of my best gay friends, uh, male friends, they're happy to deconstruct a text twice. <laughs> Fucking amateurs. <laughs> All the gold medalists in analysis of human behaviour in a microcosm where emotions are involved are women in the history of the world and I see men on the darkest corners of the internet saying, oh, women are manipulative, they say one thing and they mean another. In other words, what they're sensing is that for the first six months of a relationship, we have a panel of advisors (laughs) and a writer's room for every written transaction. They don't know it in their heads. They just know we are ahead of them and outsmarting them at every single turn and it bothers them understandably. I mean, we are feminists, but we do manipulate them sometimes. That's the case, isn't it? Now, Steven Pinker, you know, he does evolutionary theory and says things like, oh, on the savannah... Um, So I'm going to do that now, but I don't have any science to back it up. But honestly, how much has he got? Like, what does he... He just says, because science... Have you read his books? They're really good. They're really interesting. But he does just say, because science. How does he fucking know? He wasn't there. <laughs> so he just says his thing with confidence and we think science. So I'm going to do that. This is what really genuinely happened on the Savannah because science. <laughs> I'm wearing trousers. Um, so, okay. This is my theory about uh, power. Um, women historically haven't had any. That's not a theory, that's a fact. Um, So whatever proximity to power we had, we had to use. And we had to get good as a gender at figuring out how to make the powerful do what we wanted. So if you can't vote, you're a Victorian woman, you can't vote but your husband can, you might say to him, how are you going to vote? And if he, in his armchair, goes, oh, the way I always vote you have to ask at your sewing circle the next day, what did he mean by that? Because if you're going to get him to change his vote to the one that's good for you, you're going to need to analyze what he just said with your sisters, show them the texts, join a WhatsApp group, which in those days was done by embroidery. And get them on the job of analysing it so then you can influence him and manipulate him into doing what you want so your life is slightly less shit than it would have been. (laughs) If you're an Elizabethan lady who might have come to a theatre like this and you're literally, your only chance for a living is marriage, that's the only possible career for you, why hasn't he called becomes a life and death critical question. (laughs) So it's understandable that an Elizabethan woman who has literally no other way of eating, might ask the question, what do you mean by that? Do you think he's gonna call again? How do I manipulate him into calling when he clearly isn't going to? We need a full committee on this, because otherwise I will be dead inside six weeks. On the other hand, the reason that men are no good at this is because the wealthy landowner who owned a mill would simply go down to the mill and say to the mill manager, which of your daughters is the prettiest, I want to marry that one. And when the daughter said, "Oh, um oh, all right, like like you and me being married." Like what? He never had to ask the question. What did she mean by that? Because it didn't fucking matter to him or to his friends. And that is why we have a superior skill. If you feel you don't have a lot of power, but you've got proximity to power, and you do, start looking in the places you have proximity to it and realize you have evolved a superpower. You know how to analyze. And if you don't, you have a committee of close friends who do. You are the United Nations of Emotional Manipulation. Get with it, sisters. Our guest today is a celebrated and outspoken comic writer who has an inimitable take on serious current issues. With a string of international bestsellers, she is considered one of the pioneering voices of contemporary feminism. Uh, She's someone I grew up with in Australia. She's written 16 novels that have been published in 17 languages, from puberty blues to her latest HRT husband replacement therapy, (laughs)
3: spanning
0: the ages from puberty to menopause. I assume as she has lived them, she has documented them. So she has been around for some decades. She is somebody I really, really admire and I am delighted and honoured to present to you, Guilty Feminist fans. Many of you will know her. If you don't, you're in for a treat. I have asked her to read something from her latest novel. So please welcome to the stage and to the mic... The wonderful Kathy Letts.
5: <laughs> How much do we love Deborah, honestly? She's a human wonderbra, uplifting, supportive and making other women look bigger and better, isn't she? Amazing, for sure. So I'm just going to read a tiny bit from my last novel. Uh, And as Sophie set the tone, or lowered the tone, I'm just going to continue along that vein. So it's a scene where um, a woman has discovered her husband is cheating on her. He's one of those guys who thinks monogamy is something you make dining room tables out of. And um, so she's been married a long time. She's having her first sexual encounter with a younger man. So I'll just read a tiny bit from there. So he kissed his way down my body and my pulse quickened. I felt his tongue flick under the lacy edge of my lingerie and brushed back and forth across my vulva for a blissful few seconds. Just as I was surrendering to the joyous idea of finding myself in one of those subtitled European movies, Wave said something I couldn't quite catch. What? Hair? He said, perplexed before drawing back. Um, yes, well, we are mammals, I pointed out reassuringly. (laughs) Wave tugged my lover's spark Brazilian briefs down to my thighs and gazed amazed at my nether region. I kissed the top of his head, stroking his shoulders encouragingly, but glancing down at his naked body, I realised that my toy boy's impressive appendage had deflated faster than a beachside lilo at the end of summer. (laughs) Beer dick, I surmised. Well, it was getting late and he'd no doubt been drinking all day. Oh, wait, wait, could it be the bush? Maybe he'd never seen a woman with bush. No way, he told me in the lift that he'd grown up on a sheep station, so surely (laughs) the (laughs) bloke... was used to a little light bushwalking. I had been hoping that he might actually be partial to a bit, little bit of bush tucker. But Wave was making a repulsed face like a kid who'd been offered a plate of spinach. The condom hung limply from his cock. The way washing hangs lifeless from the hill's hoist on a breezeless day. For him, this was clearly a bush tucker trial. <laughs> Suddenly, instead of starring in a black and white French film... I've been unceremoniously recast in an episode of I'm a non-entity. Get me out of here. (laughs) Do you prefer your women waxed, I inquired? A wax pedenda may sound erotic, but when it's growing back, it looks like a shag pile that's been (laughs) terrorised. A super itchy shag pile. Judging by the intense look of revulsion on his face, Wave was thinking that waxing wouldn't be enough to achieve deforestation on the scale (laughs) (laughs) this situation required. No, my mons was obviously going to require several months of strategic bombing with napalm. <laughs> um, this, well. <laughs> I mean, I do like my pubic hair, so I like having a little pet in my pants. But um, this, the scene doesn't go that well, and it's not because she's faking an orgasm, but he's just faking four plays. Whatever. Cathy Ladd, everybody! <laughs> I hope you like my dress. I've got suffragette colours on. Purple, white. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I
0: love it. I actually, I wear this, which is a suffragette coin uh, that was damaged by the suffragettes. On one side it says votes for women and the other it says WSPU. And they used to, this is what they called an outrage, where they would uh, damage the coin and then put it back into circulation to make it valueless. Ironically, it's now worth quite a bit because women cannot do maths. (laughs) <laughs> um, uh, but I wear it as a sort of power set and I wear it on a Victorian men's guard chain which he would have worn, used for his watch because I, I like patriarchal jewellery
5: I like to go, I've got the power now the power. Um, but, but do you remember in, we used to say, feminists in, of my generation used to, used to say the reason we were bad at math was we were always being told that that was 10 inches that was Aye. the joke Aye. Aye. tish boom you know <laughs> um,
0: I mean, I really love your writing, Kathy. I was reading a book recently that was set and written in the 80s. And all I could think the whole time was, thank God, political correctness went mad. Because honestly, the way women were living... And this was like a fun comedy romp book. And I was reading it for some research for something. And I was like, this is what women were living with. The sexism was horrendous. It was violent. Like a woman in the book is beaten up by a man who's jealous. And she says, oh, I deserved it because I cheated on him. And, you know... And then other people say, "Oh, yeah, everyone's going. To, don't publish the photos. Everyone's going to think you deserved it." And stuff like that. That's just it's not presented as horrifying. It's just presented as that's how it is. And that's not the worst thing in the book by any means. I don't want to ruin the gig by telling you the other things. Um, but I just I am very interested because what year did you start your first job?
5: Um, well, first in proper job when I was about twenty-one, like a job in television. And for most of the audience, he's very young. But for your mums, I mean, for what it was like for us, we had no protection legally, really. You just had to go out wearing a bulletproof bra. And I'll just tell you what my first job interview was like. It was with a television station in Australia. I already had a novel out and I already had a column in the newspaper, so I wasn't kind of green. But I went for my job interview at a TV station to present on television. There were like five or six guys, powerful guys. You would know all their names. And I'm sitting opposite them. And the big boss put $10 down on the table and said, I bet I can make your tits move without touching them. And I just went, oh, yeah, whatever, you know. He leaned over, grabbed my breast Ooh. and mauled it and then he said, ha, ha, you won, there's the $10. So not being green, I immediately put $20 on the table and said, I bet I can make your balls move without touching them and kicked in between the legs. Did you? Yes. You know, did t- you really? Yes. Yeah. And today, you what had- did the other men do? Oh, they thought it was hysterical. <laughs> you know. And I got the job. But <laughs> this is incredible. <laughs> oh yeah. wow. But you know, today you'd have a sexual harassment case. But in those days, no. You just had to be tough and, and give dish back as good as you got. And what um, we developed was what I call it the black belt in tongue Fu because yes, men are physically stronger, but women are more verbally dexterous. We use about three hundred fifty more words in our daily vocabulary. So you can take a bloke down with a great one-liner and get other people to laugh at him. You completely nuke his power. So, you know, I always say to girls when I give talks in schools, you know, when you're getting ready to go out, you're underdressed without a couple of good one-liners tucked up your trouser leg, you know. Mm. Um. <laughs>
0: um ask more about what it was like because I was really shocked by because the 80s isn't that long ago like when you watch Mad Men you go oh again it's only really a few decades ago but it it feels like in the long time before do you know what I mean it feels like oh the women were dressed like this and the men were dressed like that was very binary and but the 80s feels too recent for what I was reading and also it was the late 80s and I was like oh my god is this how people were and it was the racism it's the homophobia it's the like the extreme really extreme Can you tell us about what it was like at that time? And how did you, and I say this, can I say, I'm going to say this gently, because if you were the kind of a woman who could put the $20 down and, you know, go for it, amazing, you could then get the job. But there's lots of women who couldn't for all sorts of reasons. So presumably there was lots of cannon fodder who literally just couldn't get through. So I'm really interested to hear from somebody who had that kind of, Ability to get through and witnessed it and what was there. So please tell us stories from the
5: 80s. <laughs> I mean, I'm just happy to listen. Well, the reason that I was quite tough by the time I was 21 is that I grew up in this surfy culture. You were 21 when that happened? No. yes, yeah. yeah, I was about 21, yeah. When well, you kicked is- the man between the balls? Yeah. No. Oh, I was imagining you like at 29 yeah. or. But, but she'd already had a book out and a column. Yeah, but the, because I grew up in the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I left school young. I mean, I left school... Were you experience. a TikTok star or, like, how did no. that happen? <laughs> um, wow. But I'd grown up in this very tribal surfy culture, which Deborah knows mm. about, and I wrote this book called *Puberty Blues about that time. And the men, were, the boys were so sexist. As an example of how chauvinistic they were, they used to get us to cut their names out in paper, sticky tape it to our stomach so we'd get a tan tattoo. In the shape of their names. Aww. So if ever I get cancer, I'll have a melanoma called Bruce. <laughs> and, and I'll have to have like a bruce to get rid of it, right? <laughs> so, and their terms for women were bush pigs or swamp hogs, or if you were good looking, they'd call you a glamour maggot. The terms for sex were rooting, tooling, poking, stabbing, plugging and meat injecting. Oh. It's not exactly a Shakespearean love sonnet. Where was this in Australia? In Cronulla. yeah, down wow. in, yeah. But... The way I got out of that whole surfy, um, brutal, sort of sexist uh, cult in a way was that I had a good girlfriend. And of course, as I was saying about Deborah, about your women friends being a human wonder bras, as long as you've got a comrade in arms, you can stand up against anything, I think. But I was quite hardened. I was ready to deal with those TV executives by then, yeah.
0: Wow. At 21. 21. You uh, 21. At 21.
3: But it, it hasn't. You, we, can't, oh, sorry, we could it's just, it's just say 21%. Like, no, I, I do the like, show. like the phrase meat injection. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, see, I feel just, a, a stand up routine coming on.
3: Yeah. <laughs> it's like it. I'd go for my meat injection booster.
5: Um, <laughs> but, but also, and sometimes I think it hasn't really still improved as much as we would like it to. Because mm. things like um, when I was young, a man who was sexually active was a, a love god, a stud muffin, a spunk rat. You know, Romeo, spunk Lothario. <laughs> Spunkrant. <laughs> but a woman I mean, with the same sexual appetites was a slut, a tart, a tramp, a mole. You know, people expected, men expected to be mole. very virginal. <laughs> and the guy would be like, oh, am I the first man to make love to you? To which the woman would reply, like, of course, I don't know why you men keep asking the same silly question. Yeah. <laughs> but that hasn't improved that much. Still, I think women feel that that need. You know, we always say we've slept with less men than we have. We Men always say they've slept with more women than they have. I mean... So, mm. Mm. See, I was a Jehovah's Witness, so I tend to double my number <laughs> just,
0: just, just to make it half what everyone else at the dinner party is declaring because I feel it's too uncool. So I absolutely have the opposite thing of that because anytime I have like a wild night out and something goes a bit, you know, my, I've got friends who go, oh God, last night, what did I say? I'm so embarrassed. Da, da, da. And I'll go, I'll just wake up and go, proof I'm not a Jehovah's Witness. And I get so happy with myself. I give myself like a little prize for not being a Jehovah's Witness and I so I but I understand the impetus I do think this generation now like Sophie you know young millennial and Gen Z are doing the whole uh, you know sex positive there isn't the same
3: thing is there? I know I don't don't feel the need to lie about how many men I've had sex with unless I'm having sex with a woman Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but no I think it's like now here it's cool but I think the first time you can't expect it to be a good time so the fact that you would idolise someone who's got like no No experience experience in the job like they might take to it like a a duck to water (laughs) but I think like just trying to be like I want to have sex with someone who's never who's maybe feeling nervous who maybe needs like guidance I think it's quite weird to fetishise that and I think it is about power that men want to be... They want to feel like they're the most capable, mm. they're the most knowledgeable, and they can guide this. And you're not
0: comparing them to anyone else. You're, oh, yeah. you know, they, de- they know they're the best you've had if they're all you've had. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, no, it's, yeah. It's, it's a competition thing, but partly, and sort of owned from a time when women were owned. But when the, in terms of the corporate power dynamic, when you were working in television, did you have any female bosses?
5: Absolutely not, no. Was, and when you were tra- in a meeting and trying to put the female point of view across it was like you would just beam down from mars yeah and what was the sexual harassment like chronic every day i remember my another boss at the tv station once i was in, coming home from a function in the car with him and he he groped me in the car and i just slapped him and and i when i got home i told my boyfriend about it and um, the next day, we were just rolling our eyes at him. The next day, he sent his mistress around with flowers because we all knew he was having an affair with the station. Ooh. He sent his mistress around with flowers to say sorry to me so I wouldn't, you know, make a big deal of it. But just, not, Sorry, sorry. Yes, yes, just, just, <laughs> yes, yes. We're just going to pause. This is um, 80s story. Yeah. So he had a wife. He had a wife. But he had a mistress who worked at the television station in publicity. We all knew they were having an affair. So and he thought, oh, geez, I think I groped Kath last night. I hope she doesn't tell the press, you know. Oh, I better send some flowers. So, but he sent his mistress round. She knocked on the door with flowers. That woman's not going to be feeling good about herself on any level, has she, No. at that point? So I'm like, oh, God. I never get flowers. (laughs) That's right. All he gave me was syphilis. I
0: I suppose when he fucked up with his mistress, his wife had to take the flowers round. I mean, I sort of
5: like. The (laughs) the question is who took the
0: flowers to her? Um, (laughs) So that was the the 80s.
5: That was the 80s. But, you know, when I say things haven't changed that much, we've had in Australia one female Prime Minister, you know, Julia Gillard. We've had her on the podcast. Oh, isn't she wonderful? She's incredible. She's a friend of mine. But the way she was treated, yeah. do you all know the stories of how she mm-hmm. was – and how the, Tony Abbott, who was the, the leader of the opposition, would stand in front of placards saying, ditch the witch. And then there was a, a um, our version of the Tories, the Liberal Party, um, fun, Conservative Party fundraiser. On the menu they had uh, – Julia Quail Gillard or something, and the, the, it was, just, was it quail or chicken, and they described her as, as having uh, big thighs, small breasts, and a red box, stuff like that. I mean, it's unbelievable. And then she, of course, decided that she was going to serve kind of chauvinist pig on a spit. So she then did that amazing SmackDown speech. But while she was making that speech about Tony Abbott, the press gallery, which is all male was saying, oh, God, this is embarrassing. How, how awkward, how vile she's making this stupid speech. Meanwhile, around the world, it was being seen as the most impressive political knockdown speech ever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's still very chauvinistic. And don't think it's not the same here. Don't forget, Boris Johnson has just given a job to Tony Abbott as trade advisor. So, you know, yeah. <laughs>
0: I mean, it just. Oh, I. I just. Uh, I, it, it, but,
3: yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, on the positive side, <laughs> what what changes have you seen in the decade since you wrote "Puberty Blues" to now that you feel like. Something good has happened. Well, and the Me what Too hope do you movement.
5: Have? Wow, how fabulous. How I mean, phenomenal.
0: That, it's amazing, but it really only happened last Wednesday. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: It's yeah. so recent, it's isn't it? Like, like, so
3: yeah. So, five minutes ago, something good happened. Yes, exactly.
0: So really was it can't have been the same from this the sort of 80s right through to 2018 or 2016.
5: Well, you know, we feminists have been saying this I'm 63 now. We've been saying the same things for so long. And we're like it's not going to change until men join us at the barricades and fight for us to have um, equal rights because e- equal pay. I mean, for God's sake, Emily Panko's tied herself to the railings 100 years ago. We still don't have equal pay. We're still getting concussion hitting our head on the glass ceiling and we're supposed to clean it while we're up there. Yeah. So any woman who calls herself a post-feminist has kept her wonder brown burn her brains because we still have a long way to go. And it's not as though women are asking for that much. Equal pay, great. We'd like you to work out mutual orgasm is, you know, not an insurance company. That'd be lovely. <laughs> We'd like you to help around the house a little bit because it's scientifically proven that no woman ever shot her husband while he was vacuuming. We know that. <laughs> and um, we'd like you to do the odd sensitive things with snow peas because the weight of a woman's heart is through her stomach. It's not aiming too high. Men always said to me, what do women want in bed? And I'm like, breakfast. That would be nice. <laughs> that would be great. You know, not asking too much. So, But, no, it, it is getting better because I think especially younger men who've been raised by feminists, they now expect to do... Housework and they expect to sort of pull their emotional weight as well. So I think that it is really improving. Although, go on, Sophie would know more than I yeah. on that score. I mean, I,
3: yeah, I think that men have found different ways to be shit. Is that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I can't really speak to what it's like. I think it's really good that people are more emotionally intelligent and there's more of a focus on mental health and understanding that people don't talk about things, that people have problems. But I think that what's happened now is that people uh, know, know what not to do to be seen as someone who is a terrible man. So I worked in television um, about five years ago um, and still there was this, like, there was a lot of terrible shit going on can I ask had the price for touching
0: your breast gone up with inflation <laughs> was it at least a 50 that's all I want to know it was a, it was
3: sort of it was contactless it was a sort of a oh. <laughs> <laughs> does contactless work on the breasts <laughs> you've got more of a cleavage tonight. I you right, sort yeah, of swipe yeah. uh, <sighs> swipe down through the tits um, yeah I had um, I mean maybe like, I had a man who like worked I worked with I'm wondering now what we'll get on the podcast but like sort of I think they have very weird relationships with women. There's certain, like, corners of television where they're not used to having very many women. So I think in a, like, television production team, quite a lot of the time, there'd be a lot of boys going out, doing the shoot, and there would be, like, the women would be, like, the production managers who they had mm. to report to, but then when you're, like, the only woman out on a big shoot with lots of men, and they're, like, talking about, like, having a gangbang in the oh. car on the way back from the shoot, that's something that happened to me. Like, just got, like, no. going, like yeah. Yeah, with a. Yeah, okay, I, w- I won't say who it is because they are still working in television. Um, but, like, stuff like that, there was a lot of, like, sort of verbal abuse and, like, jokes, and, like, uh, when some women were, like, auditioning to be on, like, a reality show, like, obviously, like, the men talking about their bodies and stuff. So I feel like they're better at not keeping a paper trail. This is in terms of, like, in institutions, people know not to take a picture of their dick and send it on, like, a round robin to the rest of the office, but they don't, they still kind of, when they feel safe, they, and they don't think they're being recorded. They, they sort of do whatever they want.
2: This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you
0: I am interested in the difference between influence and power because I think influence is a type of power because influence, by necessity, moves something. If I can influence someone to do something, I can get them to shift behaviour. Reniera Lodge, when asked, uh, how can I be a better ally as a white person to black people? um, She has in the past responded, well, I don't know where you hold power. And that is a great thing to think about, like so impactful And I think that is the best question we can ask ourselves because I think we don't always see or notice where we hold power. And sometimes our power is, in fact, our ability to influence. And so what is our circle of influence? So can we talk for a little while about the difference between influence and power and how we might use our influence?
5: Well, I think we were talking backstage about something that happened in in Australia once again where um, one of those shock jock guys was um, incredibly rude about a, a female celebrity and, and was talking about her weight. I mean, can I just say, this guy had a, what we call a veranda over the toy shop, Like, <laughs> you know, had a big beer belly. And I'm like, have you got a mirror? I mean, honestly. But one of my sisters, I've got three sisters, she was so incensed that she started an online campaign. Um, we found out that one of the big sponsors of the radio show was um, Weight Watchers. So, they, she started a campaign where women just wrote to Weight Watchers saying, we will never buy your product because you sponsor this shock jock." And, of course, if you hit them in the pocket, that's where influence really bites because then he was nearly sacked from the show. He had to apologize because he needed the sponsorship back. So, I think we need to do that online campaigning stuff much, much more because, you know, we're consumers. Women spend a lot of money. And we don't want to spend it with the wrong people. So I think just getting organised in that way is really effective. That's influence becoming power.
0: And interestingly, that whole conversation, what year did that happen? Do you know the the sort of a vague period? About four years ago. Because I think that conversation's moved on even further now to a point of – we wouldn't support Weight Watchers anyway because yeah. of its sort of body-shaming connotations. Yeah, like Weight Watchers
3: have never made anyone feel bad about themselves. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, they've changed
0: their name. For a while, it was just WW, and they wouldn't say what either W stood for. <laughs> and then now it's Wellness Works, and I'm like, Aww. come on. Aww. Come on. We know what you mean, because you used what? to say it out loud. Uh, yeah, but there was a little interim period of we'd just called WW, what's the W stand for? I don't know. <laughs> and, and the other I'm my phone's ringing up. Take this. Yeah, hi. Hi. And then they came back with this wellness works, and I'm like, it isn't, you know. So, but that in itself is an example of young feminists and activists going, we don't want the shit anymore. We don't want you telling us that we've got to lose weight. We don't want you making us feel bad. I spent so many years counting fucking points and, you know, all of this stuff. I'm like, you know what? Fuck off. Like, I just, I'm just going to listen to my body and nourish and move it and it'll be what it wants to be. Um, um, but, but that step is, you know, all of these things are important steps towards progress. And that step in itself was probably important at the time to kind of go, we don't want people body shamed on the radio, hypocritically or otherwise. Sophie, what do you think about the difference between... How much power do you feel you have versus how much influence Ooh. do you think you have?
3: I, I, okay, power versus influence. I think my power is quite limited. I don't hold dominion over, like, a lot of spaces. and I'm not the person, like, paying the check, turning the key. So, I've, And I don't know if I could, like, you know, with gumption kick a man in the balls. <laughs> I probably wouldn't be able to reach. Um, <laughs> so I think that, like... Power, not so much, but I think influence in terms of like the job I do mm-hmm. and the spaces that I'm allowed into. So both spaces there, I might be speaking to a lot of like, women and non-binary people who are very young, who haven't necessarily been reached or aren't being reached out to by like, big corporations or into spaces which are like really crusty old clubs with lots of men mm. that I probably wouldn't speak to in the street, but I get to go into their spaces and entertain them. So I think the power of like influence and discourse... Is one that I probably, well, yeah, it's one that I've chosen to wield because I'm like not physically strong enough to kick a man in the balls. So I just have to do it with a dick joke.
5: Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, the reason I write, use comedy, I think if you can disarm with charm, you're much more likely to get your message over. And my, I, my favorite thing is where a woman will tell me when I'm on book tour that she's reading my book and, and her husband will be saying, or her male partner will be saying, Oh, what are you reading a book by that, you know, hairy legged? Feminist for whatever, and then um, she she'll laugh at another bit. And he'll go read me out a bit. She'll read out a bit. He go okay, read me another bit. You know, and then after a few days, he disappears into the toilet with the book because you know <laughs> men think sitting on the toilet's a leisure activity. Um, but and that that's one of my favourite things. If I think that um, I've t- want, can win over someone who might be a bit chauvinistic by making them laugh and then slipping a feminist message in in that way, mm-hmm. and that's what you're doing with stand up too. That you're disarming with your brilliant comedy and slipping in the feminist message, right?
3: Just sort of under
5: the table, just
3: cradling the balls, not <laughs> kicking them. <laughs> it's, it's true, people do... They,
0: people, yeah. In the psychological studies, they say that your armour comes down when you're laughing. Yeah, you, so you then, open up. Yeah, it definitely is an important tool in the toolbox. I think sometimes on... I notice on social media that some people, their only tool is anger. And there's no disrespect to anger, which is very important and valuable as a motivator, but it can't be the only tool in your box if you want to be truly influential. In terms of like then taking that step towards power, where you might, for example, govern, Mm. I often have a problem that I feel like because governments were created for and by men, often women who can actually get power are the ones who serve Mm. the... In the case of Priti Patel, I would say they, because she serves the desires and greed of the poshest, most privileged white men, she then gets used as a sort of shield of, well, this policy of drowning children with water cannons in the English Channel can't possibly be racist or sexist because yeah. we've got a brown woman yeah. doing it. How do we shift that? How do we get women into government Or do we need to
5: dismantle it and start again? I think we need to look at Iceland. Okay, Iceland is the most fascinating country. There was a big hoo-ha about the fact that women didn't have equal pay there. So every woman in the country went on strike. I mean, every woman. Women who were stay-at-home mums, didn't take the kids to school, doctors, teachers, nobody. Women just didn't get out of bed for a day. And the whole country ground to a halt and they got equal pay passed in Parliament the next week. Wow. I mean, it's a tiny country. It's only 500,000 people, but isn't that just the most extraordinary story? So I think, yes, I write comedy, and and as I said, that's my tool, but being angry is also so important because my generation were brought up to be kind of decorative and demure. You know, and we it, all the research would show that if a man and woman started talking at the same time, the woman would always pull back. And I don't think young women are like that. And I love that that they're just they're not they're not taking any prisoners, and they're just, just just out there and fighting. And and that's and we need a lot more of that. And for my generation, we only really got to that point after the menopause. Because the great girls don't worry about the menopause because it's fabulous after the menopause. <laughs> No periods, no pregnancy, and also your oestrogen your goes down, which is your caring, sharing hormone, and your testosterone comes up. <laughs> and you get a little bit more bullshit, a little bit more selfish, a little bit more like a bloke, basically, and you just don't give a flying fuck what anybody thinks about you. And it is so liberating. And, and you know, that's come to me at, uh, after post-60, but I think young women have got that already, and I so admire that and adore it, that about you.
0: At 21... You literally (laughs) kicked a man in the balls. I, I, I feel you had the menopause very early. Um, (laughs) Sophie, would you ever go into politics to try and engage in the system we have or restructure it?
3: No, I would never. I, I wouldn't do. I think it seems a completely just horrific, corrupt system. I, I did a, um, so a few years back when like Diane Abbott was getting like horrific abuse. Um, I, uh, me and my friend Tony were like this is shit and just like quite triggering and really terrible because a lot of the abuse that she got was not only misogynistic but was really racist as well and so we did a sort of campaign to get her a care package but also then gave like money to charities in Hatney, which is her constituency but when I went in I was just like this feels like the worst part of school, having to go in every day with people who don't respect you who will sort of like sell you out I think there is a certain amount of like oh it's all for the cameras but if you're someone who's quite like despised or sort of someone who like people feel like they can just say things about on ev- even w- within comedy not just within politics on every panel show it's just like oh Diane Abbott can't do maths or she's like wow. lazy or she's stupid I mean compared it,
0: to once she didn't know the numbers or something or, but I'm like but they the all the whole times, times these
3: men don't know fucking anything they yeah <laughs> They can't do... They're, they're so incompetent. None of them can count or stand... Yeah, Boris, Johnson say, Boris Johnson doesn't remember
0: parties he was at.
3: Yeah. But he, in fact, hosted...
0: He
5: can't remember a quiz he hosted a few months he ago. He can remember that he went to the, he likes pepper Pig. I mean, that's about it. I think that's he meant point, to say though. chauvinist pig was well, the word he was looking for.
0: Oh, God. I mean, it's so the bar is so low. The, the bar is in hell. The bar I... is so low, but the bar is so high... For black women in politics, the bar is wildly high.
3: But I think that if you go into that sort of environment, the reason that I wouldn't do it is that you have to give so much of yourself doing this labour, just because like, a lot of them don't have the range. Like You see young women in Parliament trying to talk about things and they just don't understand. So you have to do so much work to just get mm-hmm. the conversation on the table in terms everyone can understand. And then you have people like Pretty, who I think, yes, she is one of those women who is sort of serving this like, ultra-right-wing conservative... Outlook, but she thinks that she can go even further than any man. So she's just like really jumping the shark with how racist and terrible she's willing to be, so that she's sort of like I think she's I think she scares the men around her.
0: I just heard that she is looking to be PM. Did you all hear this? It came out today. It came out today. Now I don't know if she. I couldn't bear to click on it, so I don't know if she (laughs) has announced it or it's just a, a rumor. But if she becomes prime minister. I just that sentence didn't even make yeah. sense to
3: me. You said "pretty" is looking to BPM, and I was like, "Heart rate." What? Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. just yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Oh. She wants it. She wants the top job. That's what they say. I don't know, uh, but it, it sounds like yes. And I never in my life thought I'd be going, "Please, Rishi Sunak, please, Rishi Sunak." But, <laughs> but I'm so frightened of it. I'm so frightened. The bills that she's pushing through are so terrifying, and so I feel like we do need to sort of take power back and I don't know really how to do it except to take to the streets but she's bringing in a bill that means we could be criminalised for doing that Yeah. and then how much power um, am I going to have if I'm behind bars and not allowed to travel and they're talking about taking your passport away if you're caught with class A drugs the fucking hypocrisy of that Yeah. like there's not class A's go- they're all at it I'm not saying pretty is, but I reckon all the rest
5: I think she I, doesn't need it's, extra it's confidence sort of, it's sexual Stockholm syndrome isn't it she's making it in a man's world because she's being just like them so but there's a difference between a woman who says
0: if I give them everything they want I will be the one from my identity group who is given all these privileges and I leave all of you behind and someone who says I will I'm only prepared to for my advancement on the basis that people like me also advance and one of those is individualism and one of those is feminism and so when people talk about oh feminism's choice any choice a woman makes is feminism if any choice any woman has ever made in the history of the world is feminism it isn't a move what is it it's just it's just individuals doing what they were going to do anyway i don't understand how that can be feminism it can't be then it's not an ism it's just a, a fact of life Well, oh, she walked across the road she bought a dog she, sorry, but five dollars is very feminist. She, she took the vote away from half the women in the country. She started deporting people and stealing
5: passports. That can't all be feminism, can it? Can it? Can it? And remember Margaret Thatcher? who no. Said that women, uh, woman's place was in the home, and I'm and I'm going. Well, I'm sorry. You're where are the, you? Yeah, you then, know, yeah. get back to the kitchen. She, to kitchen um, cabinet. Yeah.
0: So we need questions from the audience. Does anybody have a question, ideally, one that's going to have a positive answer, but it doesn't have to be that? Yes. I have to repeat what you say, by the way, just because you can't be miked.
4: Well, I would love for that. It's been a great conversation. I have two questions for you. One
0: is because we'd love to hear your sex.) So for the listeners at home, the first question was, "What's your name?" Samira, the first question was from Samira. Samira has asked uh, two questions, the first of which is, Sophie, could you tell us more about the sex party?
5: Can, can I ask something about the sex party? Yes. What's the etiquette? Do you have to write a, a note saying thank you for coming? <laughs> or thank you for having me. Thank yeah. you for having thank me. Thank you for having me. Thank you for thank
3: being for had. <laughs> thank you for coming again and again. Oh. Um, <laughs> sorry, this is a question on the etiquette. Um, so the most... The, I feel like I'm doing a humble brag here, which I don't like. But since I am a legend, um, <laughs> the most the most recent sex party I went to was just for women and non-binary people. I don't think I should name it on the podcast, but you can DM me. I feel like it, I feel like if I name it on the podcast, then I will end up having to fuck all of you, which <laughs> would be very the night is young. Yeah. But I think there are, there's, a, there's like a bunch of sex parties in London, and they all have like slightly different.
0: Um, Do you have to pay to go to them? Like, is it a yes. is it a contrib- there are running costs. How do they? No, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not complaining. I just want to know the deal. Um, uh, do you have to get vetted? Do you put your name down? Do they get yes, back so to they, you? you? So,
3: so you have to provide. I think. I think it's either social media or actual ID for this the, this party. So you have to like prove you, right. who you are who you say you are. There's obviously at the moment there's like COVID COVID safety mm-hmm. uh, that goes on and as then well. When
0: you get in the door. Who starts? Because I don't feel I could start. I feel I could join in, but I don't know if I could just start. I could. hi. So I, I so the problem in these situations, Sophie, is my, I always get really Louis Theroux about it. And I always start going, oh, oh, I'm a, like a
5: spectator. And I don't know what to do with my face. No, and I, I've, I've been to, we used to call them orgies so in, the, oh, in yeah. the old days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have been to a few, but the, the anxiety, because I'm always worried someone's going to wear home my designer coat. I can't oh. relax. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And also then I'm so worried that someone else is having more fun than I am too. Like, you know, on the ooh I'm like, ooh, she's having a lot of oohs. What's happening <laughs> over there? And it's, it's very stressful. <laughs> D- guide us, Obi-
0: <laughs> Obi- <laughs> Obi-Wan.
3: I think that if it's like a big sex but I don't particularly enjoy this kind of party, but if it's like a rave then there's so much going on. You're just looking at people's outfits most of the time, <laughs> or the outfits coming off, and you're looking at outfits on the floor. So, like, if it's, like, a thing where it's a big party where there's, like, say, hundreds of people there, <laughs> you just... It's the intake of breath. Yeah. <laughs> hundreds of people? I have yeah, to have sex in front of hundreds I of people? Think, I think there are sex parties where it's also, like, kind of like a rave. There's, like, right. te- techno music. And then there are playrooms, mm. um, which are not uh, uh, for children. And... <laughs> And then you can play in the playroom. So right. there's kind of a distraction you can get. Uh, okay, I think so you can orgy. either dance or you can go off to one of the little side rooms. And get railed. Thank you. <laughs> um,
0: and the women and non-binary ones, mm. are they also a rave or they're just sort of like no, more of a think, dinner party scene?
3: I think that... I think there's so like, I might like that more. I think that what I've liked about those are that they're much more intentional spaces. So there's like a little welcome chat sort of telling you what, like where everything is. I would like that. Yeah. So I get the welcome High chat. quality equipment.
0: Equipment. Was, equipment. Yeah. What kind of equipment?
3: <laughs> like
0: swings or yeah, vibrators? Was, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. There's like there's I, if of...
0: I wanted to br- use a vibrator, bring my own. I don't think I'd share that. Yeah,
3: <laughs> you can bring. You can. You can bring your own. See, this is what happens to me. I become very
0: Louis
5: Theroux, and I go, Oh no, no, no! I've got my own. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to have a guilty feminist excursion. Mm, do you not feel that coming on? I, I, I do. Yeah. I, I think a guilty. A way quip, yeah. I mean. Well, okay. Um. I don't know what the ethics
0: and logistics are on that. I feel that would come back on me quite hard
3: <laughs> to use an inappropriate was, expression. Yeah, I was just like, um, it's amazing that you use those particular words. Yeah.
0: I mean, listen, if people want guilty feminist sex parties, it's not for me to stand in the way of them. But <laughs> Sophie might be mistress of events.
3: I think I, I think what's quite nice about it is that it's exploring, like, I think old school orgies do sound quite scary to me because if there's, no, there's nothing there except for like some cocktail sausages <laughs> and like some bad music. And everyone puts their keys in the middle and that puts their kind of thing. in the middle yeah. and then you're just like, I have to do something. But mm. I think a lot of, so like Torch Garden is a really big party which is also kind of like an entry level into like King. Um, and it's sort of just like Disneyland and you can wander around and like observe things and you don't have to, you don't have to participate if you don't feel comfortable. Consent is always really prioritised. No one's taking pictures. So you can feel sort of safe and like, Dip a toe if you're so, into that or a finger Some
0: other part of your anatomy. So, yeah, so yeah. when you say it's like Disneyland, what would be the teacups ride? Because that, that would be that oh, I would need to start on now. Oh, I'm not baby. going straight for Star Tours, just to be clear.
3: Oh, what would be like a sort of entry? You could just get a foot rub. The last expedition I went to, so you could just there were just um, there were three male slaves there and you could just get a lovely foot rub. Um that sounds cool. good.
0: Kathy and I might stay at that end of the party, yeah, yeah, just no, for I, the first I, time. I did worry so. about it because
3: I started off there and then was having an amazing foot massage and then I was like, oh, sorry, I'm at a sex party. I must.
5: <laughs> I must. I must mingle. Else. I must mingle. And the only trouble is my foot is usually in my mouth. so hey. no. Problematic.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, I'm interested in, I don't know if I... Yeah, I'd be, uh, yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'd be open to coming if I didn't ha- have yeah. to. <laughs> if I didn't have to like participate, if I felt, if if, yeah, if, I think... if the Louis Ruse came over me if I could just go oh because sometimes the idea of these things sometimes sounds so erotic and exciting but then I get there and I'm like oh yeah charming
1: I think
3: (laughs) I think that what I find being like because I'm queer surprise um but being in uh like queer spaces and kink spaces specifically even though that might not be something you're into maybe you just want to have lots of vanilla sex but being in queer uh spaces is that people are quite good at like it's quite chatty it's it was very wholesome I mean, like the, we, we
5: like a chat, Deborah and I. Word, yeah. Wordplay is foreplay for us. Yes, isn't it? that's very yeah. true. Actually, wholesome.
3: Yes, it was a the, wholesome sex
0: party. Was, yeah, I, I, I think that's my brand. Yeah, I want that. People are
3: taking care of each other, showing you how to use the equipment
0: again with the equipment. You are not clear on what the equipment is. I don't normally I, have equipment. There was a
3: sort of like, um, you know, those like net bags that. Um, alcohol comes in yeah there was sort of like one of those made with leather straps yeah hanging from the ceiling
0: and hanging from the ceiling yeah so what you put yourself
3: in it yeah you get sort of get in it like a sexy moth (laughs) it's like a little in front of everyone
0: and then you go up and then what happens does somebody have sex with you while you're in a Um, wine basket
3: (laughs) (laughs) so i i went inside the leather leather sexy moth thing which just by itself just feels really good. Like, are you, are you familiar with shibari where they, like, tie you up oh, with ropes yeah. and stuff? So I think that's, like, a more low-key when you're just being constricted. It's like mm. a big hug. But um, is someone in there with you or is it just you? It's just you. I don't think two people would fit. But then you can get flogged. <laughs> good to know. Good to know. You know, no, you could do whatever, that, like, whatever that, sort of sensory thing you want. Yeah, yeah.
0: That doesn't, that doesn't not appeal.
3: <laughs> yeah. Is, is it, this answering your question? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like we shouldn't spend too much time on, yeah. on the sex
0: it, parties. I suspect this is the only question everyone had. It's sort of like every, <laughs> the full room put their hand up like this uh, and just like the, 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 the single question from every single person was more about the sex party, please. Um, what was your question? Oh, you are, sorry. Yes, Samir, you had two questions. I, I don't want to take over, but you can So, I'm a feminist,
2: but <laughs> I struggle with wanting this power. This power that is oppressive that gets stronger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't just want to shift the power. I want integrity to be like, oh, mate, it's not oh, It's going to get you in trouble. No, mm-hmm. integrity is something that we vouch for. How much are we doing to shift
0: the narrative or change? I'm going to try and summarise that for the people at home. Um, so Mira was saying she doesn't want to just take the power and wield it. I know, I know. I, I don't know if I'm allowed to with COVID. I, 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 don't know. I don't know what the allowable thing is with COVID. I thought, I thought we were told we couldn't. But, okay, so I'm just going to try and... I, I would love you to have the mic. Um, oh God, maybe I can. Am I allowed to? I don't know. Oh, no. Am I allowed to? You can hold it? Let's see. Let's see, what, let's see what we can do. Okay. I'm going to stand here. Okay. <laughs> And I'm going to then point it in your direction. We'll see how it goes. Okay. Pretend you didn't say that before and applaud in the same way.
2: (laughs) I'm a feminist, but I have stage fright. (laughs) I am a feminist, but um, I struggle with the fact of not wanting this power. I don't want this power, this power that is oppressive, this power that gets stronger every time you put someone down, this power that is defined by men. I don't want to shift the power. I want to change the narrative. I want things like integrity to feel like they are something that we should be vouching for, and it doesn't make you weak. How much are we doing to change the narrative? (laughs)
0: I don't know if this comes under wanting power I shouldn't have, but now I've started this roving mic situation, I feel like Oprah. And and I never want the show to be anything else but me roving with a mic and people applauding the audience because it's such a power trip. Sophie, did you have a response to that?
3: I mean, it's a big question, but I think that led by people who are not men, things are changing in the way that we take power and attain power. So just in comedy, I did a competition a few years ago where basically they only ever took one woman into this like, like only one woman ever got in if that it was usually all men that got like the sort of prize um and I went to the auditions for this comedy competition and there were like a bunch of women there and I was like oh shit because I really wanted it um <laughs> and I was like oh shit there are so many women here and another comedian an amazing comedian called Bishop K.R. Lee was like no it's great it's great that there are so many of us and I was like ashamed um, but I was like, it is great that there are so many of us. And I think as you kind of get further in your career, whether that is comedy, whether that is banking, the trend that I see in women of my age is that we help each other, that we, we share knowledge, we tell people like what the pitfalls are, not because we're not like, scared of being tripped up by them, mm-hmm. because we're building like, a, like, a more equitable, a more like cohesive... And the men, in order to keep up, have to share their knowledge. They have to take on people that they're mentoring. They have to give out power because otherwise it makes the whole thing stronger.
0: And I think that is also, I think we need to clarify, that's a certain sort of man. Mm. There are plenty of men who are, some are trans, some are gay, some are straight and just not of that ilk of wanting to drive a tank through everything. It's more of an energy thing. And I think when the energy is led by women and non-binary people, there are loads of men who love it who go, there are loads of cishet men who go, oh, thank God, because I didn't feel good here either. Yeah. But I didn't want to say that because it's hard for men to say it, to say I don't like the way it is because they've got an opportunity to be clubbable. So they're like, oh, I guess I better say I fit in here. And even though inside they're crying. Yeah.
5: You know how they have guest edits of magazines like the, mm. or, or Woman's Hour, or whatever, they'll say, oh, get the guest editor. Wouldn't it be great if we could have a guest edit of The Globe where women could just take over just for – Six months, a year, mm. just to see how different it would be. You know, just, mm. it can't be any worse than what the blokes have done. So we need a guest it. You mean edit the globe the theatre. Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I suddenly. Re- <laughs>
3: That's
0: what, what a, a nice, nice segue. segue. I'm not saying it doesn't, it just feels a bit rude to our hosts. Because um, <laughs> it's got to be better than what the blokes have done. Uh, you mean the, what the earth, uh, the planet. Okay. Yeah, the just to be very clear, I was thinking. Oh, this is a, this is a departure. Uh, um, we've got to finish in, but was there someone else over here with a question? Yes? Hi. Um. Sorry, I want to be Oprah. Are we
4: going to do
0: this? You're the one that I want. Uh the one that I want. You are the one that I want. This is why you want to come live, (laughs) because that moment's never going to play on the podcast. Grundy, shout if you can't hear what you hear next.
2: Hopefully in a nice way. Uh, So the line from before was disarm with charm. Mm -hmm. And it's really stuck with me with attention, because I think that you've talked about anger, you've talked about influence, and the disarm with charm just sticks with me in an uncomfortable way and uh, thank you
0: there's there's more of you
2: and in order to really influence to get in there I'm trying to influence change we're trying to get into policy but to be able to have your wit Sophie and be able to knock that door every time is just exhausting and so I think that there's got to be another way and I'm just really curious as to what you think because it's clearly been effective you're amazing influencers in the sector, but what can we do if we don't necessarily have that every time to be with Rishi and topping him or if we don't have it with Boris and the other ways? I'm really curious.
0: And just to be clear, I think that we was discussing that as a tool in the box. It's a tool. Women can't just charm and disarm for the rest of their lives because we're not going to get anywhere, but it's one tool. And so if all, the only tool you're using currently is fury and fuck off, you're wrong... Charm and disarm, if you're a charmer and disarmer, maybe you need to get a bit angrier. And there's a bunch of
5: other stuff which Cathy will tell you about. (laughs) Well, I just think you can't underestimate how verbally dexterous you are. I mean, really, women can run verbal circles around blokes and that is a real skill that we have. And humour is also a skill that we have. Biologists say that, you know, we know that laughter is very good for us, but anthropologists say that women laugh more often than men in all cultures on the planet. And of course, when you laugh at something, you take the sting out of it. It's like strapping a giant shock absorber to your brain. Like when you go on a girls' night out, when you're with your girlfriends. I mean, you know, you laugh so much you have to kind of be hospitalised from hilarity. (laughs) And that is our coping mechanism, but it's also incredibly effective to use that in your everyday life. You can kind of... Undermine a male bully in that way by making him the butt of the joke and just using that incredible that what I call earlier the black belt and tongue foo. Give some quiplash. and that's what I meant by disarm with charm mm-hmm. is just using comedy as a tool in that but way. I, was th- I think you were saying, what if that is
0: not your natural way? I think we are three women who were born with that as a sort of or we f- somehow in our childhoods started to find that an easy mechanism for us but that doesn't come easily to everyone in the way that sport doesn't come easily to me. (laughs) So we've all got skills and talents. I would suggest, what are the tools in your box? What can you develop? What can you steal? Where can you pull in someone who's an ally, who has got that skill? And whatever it is, like, I think we just need to look at what the full toolbox is that the patriarch is using, and we need one of each of those, and then a bunch of other weapons as well. Um,
4: From that question. Oh, great, if,
0: great, I love that.
4: I sit probably a bit more with the panel. Being able to annihilate somebody with words is saying I find it easy and making somebody the butt of the joke. But something I got taught really early in my career was silence. Human beings hate it. We really do. Even somebody who's quite socially awkward will want to feel silent. So if you've got a man in the room who's just kind of every time you try and say something it's just cutting over you or or just doing something that kind of is trying to pull that power away just give him silence because eventually that person will kind of talk themselves into a circle that they can't get out of but they'll keep trying and at that point you can just cut them off at the knees and go okay I'm really sorry but you seem to have lost yourself a bit there or something (laughs) around and that's how you kind of get them because sometimes the greatest tool we have is let the other person fuck up (laughs)
0: Thank you. The British public seem to have been using that tool very effectively with the <laughs> Conservative government at the moment, don't they? We just keep letting them fuck up. Um, uh, Sophie, are you wanting to come in there?
3: Oh, no, no. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm, I'm giving it silence. It's
0: gonna well be- done. See, immediately used. I think we have to finish soon, but like, who, just qu- quickly, yes. What's your name?
5: Sanjana. First of all, um, I think all three of you are brilliant, very articulate and inspiring. So thank you.
1: Um, I think all women, even now, they have a pressure to look a certain way and um, particularly a fear of aging. And
5: you kind of um, touched upon that. But I just wondered how did the three of you kind of overcome that fear and get past Having to look a certain way and like, you know <laughs> what? What did I say? Um, no no, I'll just answer. Oh, oh. sorry. Um
0: Are you saying <laughs> You clearly don't mind looking old <laughs> and stereotypically not attractive. I
3: your
5: long, Throughout the long course life. Of your life. How, how <laughs> have you dealt with that? And just as a woman. Yeah. I
3: just mean, yeah. I just mean. It's a funny moment we're
5: resonating
1: with
0: comedy. Okay. Thank you. In a, in a very real yes. way, if you think I'm past it in any single way, and I don't mean look, oh, she's past it. I mean, if you think I'm past the idea of wanting to look a certain way and not wanting. Anybody, okay, I'm a feminist, but somebody said, oh, should I make you a birthday story on Instagram? And I said, if you start fucking spreading the rumor that I have birthdays, I don't want people thinking I have birthdays because that implies I'm aging. No, no, you don't need to.
1: Like, if you had to advise on how women could deal with that fear, how would you advise them to deal with it?
5: Okay. I need someone else to answer this. I'll answer. (laughs) I I do. I think that's a great question. And I think women suffer from facial prejudice that we get judged on our looks in a way that men don't and and shapism. And I've lived in LA, which is the worst place for women about ageing. You know, there's no law of gravity in LA. Skin sags upwards. And basically all they do in cosmetic surgery is drag everything up so the ankle becomes the knee, the knee becomes the navel, the clitoris becomes the chin. And... (laughs) That that's, would be convenient yeah, at that's parties, though, wouldn't A, a recipient of cosmetic surgeries, look for a woman who's rubbing that part of anatomy wow. a little bit too vigorously. <laughs> but for women my age, it's really hard because they're trying desperately to stay young. And even anti-aging cream, anti-aging, I mean, even the, that term is so offensive. There's nothing wrong with aging. So, you know, yeah. I, I, and, So many women I know are getting having cosmetic surgery and I'm like, I always say to them, my mother told me never to pick my nose, especially from a catalogue, ha, ha, ha. But I do think you have to try and resist that because, you know, the thing is they're doing this to try and get a man, they tell me. But why would you want a man who only wants you because you're silicon from tits to toenail? You wouldn't want a man like that. So it doesn't make any sense. So I try to say... You know, read between my lines. It's all there, the books, the babies, the hours of fun-loving fellatio, you know. Why would I want to have a complete personality-ectomy? So I don't do that, but I I wish more more women would come with me on that journey.
0: (laughs) I mean, you're very young, Sophie. As
3: a young woman. (laughs) um, No, I am reaching the end of my millennial railcard tenure, and And I... (laughs) I think it's interesting as you get a bit older, how if you're someone that maybe has been uh, precocious or sort of like celebrated for being like the baby or even just the excitement that people have around you, even if you're not uh, pushing forward anything, being like, oh, you're so young, like, oh, you could do this, you could do this. And like watching as that slowly slips away, being like, oh, I'm I'm not Hermione Granger. I'm not uh, the brightest witch of her age. My age is um, different. I think... I, have nev- I feel more powerful, and it was, uh, it was a man that said this to me, I feel more powerful with every passing year. I think about the things that I had to do when I started working in television. I think of the way that people spoke to me, the way that people approached me. And every year that I get older, I am more capable. People fuck with me less. I know more who I am. And by sort of decentering that male gaze, that male expectation... I just see like the benefit of getting rich, like getting richer in my life, getting more wisdom. Just that like, I don't really think that people under twenty-seven years old are real people. <laughs>
0: please address please address your emails <laughs> <laughs> slash slash TikToks to at I Sophie just, Jukebox.
3: I think I, f- I feel so much better now. Be like just having just having had more time, just getting settled into it, and I think that it's nice to have like. but if you've not got that like brain that sort of knows itself that is happy that Mm. can like use it it's just sort of yeah you're just sort of getting experience points until you can properly enjoy life
5: and the the other thing i was going to say about aging we have to agitate to get more women of a certain age on television because Mm. because Mm. uh, 85 percent of people on british television over 50 are men so women just I'm get put out to career past eighty five. Right. I would think it's ninety seven Yeah. because yeah. I don't
0: see any women over. It's Sue Barker at Wimbledon. The end. You know, it's over fifty. I don't know. Maybe I don't know who are we thinking. Well, think how old's Lorraine Kelly? Actors, actors sometimes, but they're allowed to act roles of that age.
5: But, I mean, like presenters and newsreaders and stuff, very rare. We get given a kind of cloak of invisibility, but the thing is are we going to use that cloak for good or for evil? Mm. I don't know.
0: But it's true. I think the more it's in the ether, the more it normalises it. And, I mean, on, on the upside, in terms of faces that are over 50 and have aged naturally and gracefully, we now have the Sex and the City reboot.
5: <laughs> um, Can be charlotte's lips i mean oh my god
0: i mean we should cut this out because i think they get very upset i heard sarah jessica parker saying i just feel like everyone's saying either i have too many wrinkles or not enough wrinkles and like like i can't get it right so i do understand especially if you've been pickled in aspic you know like no seriously because the friends for example they We only know them as young and they are iconic and forever and they are wallpaper. And if your 25-year-old self was played in every manicure bar you went into and, you know, on the bar in the court, it would be very difficult to age. I do see that it's a problem and I understand the psychology. So I don't want to have a go at those individuals and I just don't want to be saying, Ooh, you know, um, to that woman, specific woman. So, but, but I do think as a culture, what's forcing those women to do that? It's not like, Courtney Cox got out of bed and went. I need to look twenty-three forever. Mm-hmm. Somebody has told her that.
3: Yeah, I think it's basically it's a con. I think that like plastic surgery, like it should be fun. You shouldn't feel fear that you've got to keep up. Like make your face like every time it slips, you've got to like top it up again. You should do cool things with your face. Make yourself look like a sexy warthog. Like exper- <laughs> experiment but it's so much driven by this fear that you will slip and that it will it's a sort of deteriorating like you're grasping at sand i think we should be able to experiment with our power with our appearance however we want but it shouldn't be driven by something outside of us that we can never hope to actually attain
0: well i heard sarah silverman talking about sorry i've I'll take in your applause Go on. Um, i heard sarah silverman talking about this and um she said that her face she said all my life i've had a horse face and i liked that that was my look you know that's who i was and she said now i'm starting to feel like i'm a chipmunk because the fat underneath the skin slips and she said it just doesn't look like my face anymore and it's you know and she's saying she doesn't want to get cosmetic surgery it was on her podcast when she gets you know, she had got this question from a listener but i know that feeling of my face has slightly changed in shape but i think no one tells you that will happen as your life goes on and look i basically look like i did i'm not saying oh i you know i'm unrecognizable but when you're used to your face and it changes. What I'm trying to say is I understand where the impetus is coming from and I think individuals are not the problem and I understand where the impetus is coming from. I just think as a whole society, and I think maybe your point, Kathy, is the one, it's like representation. If we saw more women who were celebrated and older, we wouldn't fear not looking like a 24-year-old in a L'Oreal ad on yeah. a bus stop.
5: But I think I, I think aging to women is like kryptonite to Superman, <laughs> you know. Show me a woman who's happy with her age and I'll show you the electroconvulsive therapy scorch marks, you know, because we're trained to think that youth is what is what we have to keep aspiring to. So yeah, we just need more representation. And also those most of those surgeons, uh, those cowboy cl- clinicians, you know, they couldn't put a dressing on a salad. I mean they most of them trained under Dr. Zeus. I mean, don't go there, in my view.
0: Uh yeah, I think I think our power, it's definitely not what we should be worried about when we have 10 years to solve climate change. That's what I think. And it shouldn't be, I'm not saying it should be nowhere on your priority list. I understand we've all been raised in a patriarchy. However, I don't think it's as important as the borders bill, the policing bill, the NHS bill. Those things have got to take priority over what I saw when someone took a picture of me on the side is like, that looks like a a new line. Um, Now, obviously, I have given it some thought, but when that happens, I try, I try and go, but the policing bill. Can we get back to that? Because no one else gives a fuck about that line on the side. of I really don't think they do. I don't think they do. Also,
5: dimmer switch, greatest beauty aid known to womankind and candles, you know, (laughs) perfect.
0: And that brings us to our candles, sadly, burning down. They're not all the way out yet, uh, but I believe we should be.
3: <music> Sophie Duker, do you have anything to plug? Oh, no, just sex parties all across London. Um, <laughs> okay. I just come and see my show. Are you doing anything on the telly or can you um, follow you on social media? Oh, you can follow me on social media? Um, I am at Sophie SophieDukeBox. Um, you can see me on Task. I don't know when this comes out. Oh yes, you're, you're going to be task. on Taskmaster. Yeah, it's been announced. yeah. very exciting. We're going to master
0: Task. Have you filmed it yet? We filmed it. Oh, you've done it. You've
3: done it. It's done.
0: You've mastered. I mastered the the task. task. Did you win? <laughs>
5: I thought she said she mastered the tusks. I thought we'd oh, gone okay. back to the warthog. Was turning yourself into a warthog one of the Taskmaster things? It was not on the task. Right.
3: But I'd like n- nice tweets about that. So if you watch Taskmaster, do some oh, nice yes. tweets. Yes,
0: do some nice tweets. That would yeah. be lovely.
3: Cathy, yeah. do you have anything to plug? Oh,
5: no, listen, I've just please read my novels. Slip between yeah. my covers. Satisfaction guaranteed, even for you. <laughs> um, if we and, wanted um, to
0: buy this book, uh, this latest book, which is called HRT, Husband, Husband Replacement, Replacement Therapy, Therapy. Yeah. we could buy this in Australia. It was number Can- one in
5: Australia, but I haven't got a publisher here for that yet because they're not interested. Publishers here are not interested in literature from older women. I kid you not.
0: So it was number one in Australia. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But publishers here – so if you are a publisher, you're listening to this – Yeah. Could you please get in touch yeah. with Kathy Nett?
5: And I want to invent a new genre for women my age where we're not just sort of, you know, most, most women my age in novels, they end up, you know, being so sad and depressed in their flat. They die and they get eaten by their cats or something. <laughs> and I want to write women who are, you know, just sassy and fun and going out and just swinging off a chandelier with a toy boy between their teeth. And I, and I want to get it, I want to invent a new name for uh, that genre. I'm going to call it I Don't Give a Shit Lit. Woo! Right? Yeah. <laughs> I
0: love that. Um, so you can buy Cathy Let's books on, uh, on, uh, online. Um, you can get them in your local bookstores. There's lots, even if that one's not printed here yet, there's lots. You can get them on audiobook, you can get them on Kindle, uh, but you will really, really enjoy them. Um, so go back in time, go forward in time. There's lots and lots to cover there. Also, can I? No, you absolutely must. Um, can I also say, Um, that some people missed out on my stand-up show, and I will be doing it again next year, but some people wanted to come. But I'm doing one more before before Christmas at the Etcetera Theatre in Camden. Um, It's on the 20th of December. Um, There's only 50 seats in there, so grab one quick if you would like it. The themes are coming out and going in, and it's about me coming out as a bisexual and exploring that, and also going in is really about a a psychedelic mushroom trip that I had that was under supervision... (laughs) And somebody just sent me a picture of a tattoo they got based on an image in the show. So I feel like it went well. And if you would like to come and then get a tattoo, then I don't want to stop you. Um, it's called The Guilty Firma Stands Up. I'm getting texts saying, please get off the stage. Um, <laughs> so I am going to go. So before I do that, can I just have a big round of applause to everyone here at the Sam Wanamaker? <laughs> Sorry, run over. Um, to uh, Grundy Lizimbra, who's done a really great job here in a place which is not used to having tech and who came and saved the day during Sophie's stand up. So, big round th- of th- th- applause for Grundy. Oh. Day. Um, thank you to all of you for coming out. I know it's a tricky old time and I really just appreciate it and I just love being here with you. Thank you to everyone who came. Um, that's you. You can cut for yourselves. <laughs> a huge round of applause by co pilot Sophie Chuko. guest, the icon, that is Kathy Letts.
4: You have been listening to the Guilty Familias with me, every class is my
0: guest, and our very special guest, Kathy Letts. The recording engineer was Grundy LaZimbra, music was by Mark Hodge, the producer was Thompson, and the Spot later Shop. Thanks to Asia Chief of DCO, Jess, and Sarah at the Globe, and everyone who helped make this episode happen. So as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit GuiltyFamilas.com. Thank you so much, I've been Deborah Francis White, we've been the guilty feminists, good night!
3: She seen her. Okay, yeah, for political? Yeah, go on. <laughs> Pretend you've never heard it before.
0: <laughs> the Guilty Feminist is provided exclusively from Acast. Find it wherever you get
1: your podcasts. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalised card from Moonpig.